Welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Jen. And I'm Tequila. And here we are again together on Zoom. Um, in this time A Zoom podcast. Mic'd up, so hopefully the audio quality will be better. Yeah. So how have you been doing, Jen? You know, I feel like if you had asked me yesterday, I would have had just a perkier, perkier answer. I haven't really enjoyed today. I don't know. The whole thing has really gotten to me today a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm here with my two kids and uh, my husband and my dog. And, you know, we're still playing cards and still trying to control the music on the Sono system. And, we're all, you know, we're all hanging in. My daughter started working at the chocolate shop, so we get, we oh, get our that's ice, cool. We get our ice cream the four four days a week she's working, so that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Free ice cream is nice. It's always it's always good. Uh, how about you? How's it going over uh, over at your house? Um, the college kid is back in the house full time now, so she's adjusting. I haven't seen her much. She sleeps like a vampire. Um, so her brother is bugging all of us because he just wants somebody to play with. Right. Um, yeah, especially because his phone got taken away. So, you know, no Fortnite or Snapchat. So he's lonely. Wow. That was like, that's very brave of you to be sort of homebound together in the house and to take away his Fortnite. Well, had to happen. To do. Had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so this week we're going to be listening to three stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have three really good stories this week we're going to share with you guys. Um, all about the how everybody's handling the social isolation a little different. We have Brian Huynh, um, Rabbi Lori Zimmerman, and Jenny Gao. All right, so we're going to listen to them, and then we'll uh, we'll come back together and talk about it. All right. What was once mundane is now exciting to me. What was once normal is now a distant memory from a time I might never return to. Since the start of spring break, I've been at home in Milwaukee, roughly 80 miles away from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I expected to finish off the remainder of my sophomore year. Of course, that didn't happen. Instead of roaming around campus trying to find a quiet place to cram for finals, inevitably ending up in either Memorial Library or some hidden cove in one of the unions, I struggled to find the motivation to study for open book online exams in my parents' basement. Finals week didn't feel like finals week. Clicking submit on my last exam wasn't as satisfying or as stressful as scrambling to jot down my final thoughts in a lecture hall packed with people who I'd seen all semester and those who only showed up when their grades depended on it. I've come to find that it's these little details that have made my college experience memorable thus far. And though I was reluctant to admit it at first, the more I think about it, my memories of Madison always bring me back to people, for better or worse. And it's funny in its way, because I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm an introvert with enough social anxiety to make large crowds feel like war zones where it's me against the world. And yet, the thing I miss the most about school and the way things used to be is the people. Now don't get me wrong, the first week or so of online learning was great. I could sleep at 4am and wake up at 1 in the afternoon without being late. 
I could learn at my own pace without dealing with obnoxious people interrupting class. But after a while, the monotony kicked in, and I would have given anything to have someone enter halfway through a lecture and choose the most inconvenient seat possible just to remind me that I wasn't alone, sitting behind a screen during a pandemic. I never thought I would say this, but social distancing is hard, even for introverts. For me, being on the periphery of campus life was mostly a choice, and I enjoyed people watching. Looking from afar at strangers I might meet someday, and those with paths that would never intersect with mine. It made me feel like I was a part of something. That I wasn't the only small fish in a gigantic pond of other college students trying to figure out what it all means. The greatest realization that I've come to in this time away from others is that technology is not advanced enough, nor will it ever be, to replace human interaction. My most memorable learning experiences involve people in one way or another. Even an introvert like myself is forced to admit that I miss the hustle and bustle of campus life. I miss laughing with people in crowded spaces. I miss trying to stay awake in lecture halls that are always either too hot or too cold, regardless of the time of year. I miss the communal feeling of exhaustion that fills the air during final season, as well as the shared feeling of relief upon turning in semester-long projects. Isn't it horrible how we learn to miss things only when they're gone? I heard somewhere that you can't miss someone if they won't go away, and I think I had to learn that one the hard way. My older sister Linda graduated from Madison this year, and she also came home to isolate with our parents. You can imagine how little time we've spent with them in the last few years with us both going to college in a different city. I was there when my mom unsuccessfully fought back tears in the long car ride home after leaving Linda in her dorm four years ago. I remember her calling me every day during my freshman year to make sure I was taking my vitamins and wasn't being too stupid. I owe my mom and dad an apology for every call I never picked up. Every message I left unread for weeks. Out of all of the foolish decisions I've made in the last two years, the dumbest thing I've done in my college career is think I was too busy for my family. We drifted apart. Even back then, technology was not enough to replace human interaction. This time at home has given us a chance to rediscover who we are and to rebuild the bonds that we're wearing thin. So while the coronavirus may have distanced the world, it's also brought my family back together. We don't argue as much as we used to. We laugh more often than not, and it kind of feels like we're kids again. I bother my sister until she punches me while my mom and dad tell jokes and make sure we never go hungry. And while technology is still an incredibly fickle thing, I have to give it credit. It's also brought the rest of my family closer together. Every day the silence is broken by group calls with family from across the globe, so the house is always buzzing with laughter and new family gossip. Even family we rarely hear from are calling to see how we're doing. My mom always seems to be the one orchestrating these video calls, which is rather fitting, seeing as she's always been the one trying to hold things together. She's always been the type to shoulder every burden without complaining, to go to work before the sun rises and come back just before midnight and still find a way to make dinner. It never occurred to me that my mother is just a human being. 
Her face is finally starting to show the wrinkles of time that mark the passing of countless birthdays. The bags under her eyes tell the story of her restlessness, most likely from worrying about Linda and me over the years. When she smiles, I can see the creases from the decades of laughter and struggle that have come before. I had to acknowledge for the first time that she's not getting any younger, and neither are we. Linda's 23. I'm turning 20 in June. My dad's hair count is nearing the single digits. The pandemic has made me address truths I've been too afraid or too oblivious to face. In this time away from the countless distractions of the world, I've been forced to stand at the periphery of my own life and look inward at the past, present, and what it means for the future. And I can't help but worry when this eventually ends and we start to reclaim bits and pieces of what once was our normal lives, will I fall back into my old ways? Will we drift apart once more? And will it take another earth-shattering loss for me to appreciate what I have? As with everything these days, I don't know. Set up an internet hotspot with your phone. Prop up your laptop so a hundred people can see you on Zoom. And officiate at a funeral where it's just you, an undertaker, and two gravediggers. How do you convince an elderly congregant to let a volunteer buy her groceries after she's made herself sick eating spoiled food because she's too scared to go shopping? How do you marry a couple over Zoom when they had planned a beautiful weekend? It's now been canceled. Do you do the legal part on video and postpone the religious ceremony and the reception? Or do you stand in a park with them, six feet apart, decked out in a mask? These are the questions that my colleagues and I discuss when we try to make sense of this crazy world we live in. As a rabbi, I could have never imagined not being able to sit with someone who's grieving, not being able to make a hospital visit, not being able to officiate at a bat mitzvah. In some ways, my work now is similar to my work before COVID-19. I still teach, I do counseling, plan holiday celebrations, write budgets, and work with members of my congregation on social justice issues. In other ways, life has turned upside down. It's an adjustment working at home with my partner, who's also a rabbi, and our two kids. Today, after I took a shower, I walked into my bedroom to get dressed and only then realized that my partner was in the room doing a funeral intake on Zoom. That was a close call. We're all trying to adapt to this new reality. I've never been so inundated with opportunities for online trainings. Sure, I'm supposed to do some professional development here and there, but there are so many choices right now. There are webinars on effective ways of Zooming with kids and on counseling youth and elders and wedding couples. There are webinars on ethical decision-making around finances and end-of-life issues and how to help patients navigate a broken healthcare system all alone. I could study what ancient texts can teach us about pandemics and grief and fear and longing for what we have lost and having faith in difficult times. 
at some point it just gets too much. A few days ago, I co-led a webinar for rabbis on how to plan for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur services this coming September. These are the most important Jewish holidays of the year. The sanctuary is always packed. Even Jews who are not that involved in Jewish life or observant of religious traditions will take off work or celebrate in some way. These holidays require a tremendous amount of preparation. It's hard to imagine a synagogue even existing without devoting major energy to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I thought 15 rabbis would show up. Over 50 came. We were an anxious bunch. Can we congregate at all over these holidays, even in small groups? And if so, how do you exactly sit six feet apart? How do you keep the bathrooms clean? Do you sanitize the prayer books? How do you correct the Torah reader's mistakes if you can't stand inches from him? There's no shofar blowing indoors. And apparently group singing can launch droplets farther than six feet and is deemed to be not safe. So we're going to ask people to sit spaced out in a room wearing masks, hearing all the prayers they grew up with, but remain silent? What is that? But the alternative... To think that I would stand in an empty sanctuary, live-streaming almost 18 hours of services over these days, or do it on Zoom, where I can see little boxes of congregants, that's almost worse. Prayer is supposed to be a communal, spiritual experience. How exactly do you pray to a computer screen? It feels so performative. The last time I led services on Zoom, all I noticed was that I needed a haircut. My colleagues are pretty creative, and after the shock of realizing how different Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur would be, we realized we had other options, and we would force ourselves to try new things. We could move outside for certain socially distanced gatherings and have small discussion groups virtually or in person. We could pre-record my sermons, live stream shorter services, and invite interesting speakers We could still create space for people to share and cry and celebrate. Living through a pandemic is challenging, and I'm still learning how to move through my own anxiety so I can hold the anxiety of others. I'm still learning to mourn the loss of in-person community. And like everyone, I'm still learning to be flexible and to live with tremendous uncertainty. I grew up watching Bruce Lee movies with my dad, and lots of other age-inappropriate things for a child who could barely read. The scene of a man crushing another man to death in his bare arms was a thing of childhood nightmares. When I was very little, maybe five or six, my dad told me that Bruce Lee was an icon, flawless. When I was a little older, maybe ten, my mom told me that my dad never knew who Bruce Lee was until his thirties, after he had moved to the U.S. because of censorship in China. Bruce Lee was from British Hong Kong and died seven years before my dad set foot on U.S. soil. When I was a little older than that, in my early teens, my dad told me bitterly one day 
how you see Bruce Lee in his films and he's amazing. But you don't see a man who broke his back and nearly ended his career. You don't see a man who overexerted himself and would lie in bed for days, almost crippled, before he could fight again. Can you imagine if one of those fictitious villains came to fight Bruce Lee the day after a battle and found him invalid at home? That part doesn't make it into the movies. You don't see the day that Bruce Lee died, when his brain swelled in his skull, and he was only 32. You don't see the impact of all the too much that made Bruce Lee who he was. My dad shared this only intending to vent, and perhaps demonstrate the inevitable disappointment that comes with learning a person's flaws. My dad hated imperfection, to the point of cruel excess, deeply flawed though he himself was. But while it wasn't my dad's intent, the image of Bruce Lee lying at home, wounded, has become a lifelong metaphor for me instead. For the times in life when I don't feel like the fighter I was supposed to be. But know that after the recovery, the fight will continue. Bruce Lee did recover from his back injury and keep fighting after all. He did show up on set after his most excruciating rest days. And he may not have died had he not obsessed with perfection. This week in quarantine was inexplicably harder for me. It wasn't paradigm breaking like the first week in quarantine. It wasn't traumatizing like the week Wisconsin's GOP tried to hijack the election. Rather, it was like all my energy to keep forging on vanished. I became torpid and heavy like a bird with its wings clipped, or a wounded animal in its den. I worked, but I struggled to stay focused. Worse, I struggled to forgive myself for the things I wasn't up to. I remember on a particularly bad, stressful day several months ago, Christopher called me in the middle of the workday when he sensed something was wrong. I don't even remember what had happened, but I cried and I apologized that I couldn't be perfect. I want so badly to do things right. Perfection is a trap. But it's week seven of quarantine and there are no right answers. You can run a responsible small business and still get screwed by politicians and incompetent leadership mishandling a pandemic. You can stay on top of all the business grants and loans out there, but it doesn't matter if only 5% of businesses will get the PPP loan. Back when I was applying for college, even the most exclusive universities I applied to had a 7% acceptance rate. You can roll with the punches and find new opportunities, but it doesn't change the fact that you don't like getting punched, and especially not over injustices that should have been resolved long ago. At one point this week, I vented to Chris, I don't want to just critique the model. I want to break it. I'm not willing to swallow my pride and deal with the things that just don't change fast enough in this world. Bit by bit, I got my work done this week. I finished my client work. I applied for more business relief. I made more online sales. 
I started a new artwork. I mostly avoided social media. I was highly inefficient. I was not in the zone. I didn't feel a lot of joy. But I showed up, even with my wings clipped. And I am forgiving myself for the rest. My friends, I hope even the toughest among you are finding time to be gentle with yourselves. Even the fighters need to rest. So one of the things that I kind of like with our COVID-19 stories, as opposed to what we typically did, where we listened to one story, is that there's a range of stories now on our, on our mm-hmm. episodes. So I really liked the, this range, you know, a 20-year-old college student, uh, an artist, and, uh, and then a rabbi, which I have to say, just full disclosure, uh, Rabbi Lori Zimmerman is the rabbi of, of my congregation. I'm a big fan of hers. And I have to say, until her story, it didn't occur to me that we might not be able to do the high holidays. I mean, it's obvious now, really? <laughs> but it didn't even occur to me. I'm like, holy shit, that's it's going to be weird. Anyway, so it is yeah. All the all the religious services, I'm always interested to see how everyone's handling those. Um, yeah, it's always going to be a challenging thing, especially when you can't really gather like you normally do. Um, I like Jenny's story. I mean, I grew up in a household too where my dad had Bruce Lee on a lot. So oh, really? some of that stuff I didn't even know about. Yeah. Um, so just her, her words about, you know, like warriors needing rest and, you know, like that. It's like, yeah, give yourself some grace and compassion right now because you're doing the best you can. So that was a nice message. Well, one thing that I just want to say I'm impressed by. So um, the story that Brian told, I don't know Brian, but I happened to read um, that he had like a photo journalist essay or something that the UW put on their website. And so I contacted him and, uh, and so he put together a story. And as you know, like you never know how a story is going to be when someone you randomly asked to put one together, puts it together. And I thought his really was gorgeous. And you and I are on the other end of this, you know, so we're the parents with 20 year olds coming home right now. (laughs) So, so, uh, anyway, it was, I enjoyed hearing it from the perspective of the 20 year old now back home. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Is that what my daughter is thinking? Or she just doesn't care. She's sleeping. Yeah. I don't know, but it was, it was a good I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to assume that my kids are, are thinking such lovely sentiments about me as, right. as he is. So anyway, um, there's a couple things. Um, I'm still doing some virtual storytelling workshops. So if you're interested, just email us at, um, inside stories podcast at gmail.com or um go on our facebook page and um let's see oh the other thing is it actually just came out today um uh i have a feature in the isthmus where um, i'm going to be following three small businesses for the next year to kind of see um how they weather this pandemic so you can look for that in the isthmus Nice. Yeah. Good stuff going on. Um, I don't have anything going on except, um, I'll get some voiceover work. So I'll tell more about that once that gets closer to the end done. So I'm oh, excited to yeah. collect some different talents. Yeah. I think well, I told you do you have a good voice. That. I would say you, you, have, you. you have a good voice of the duo. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, um, other than that, yep, keep sending us stories um, from COVID. And I guess my only thing is kind of the echo to the message of Jenny's kind of give yourself some compassion and grace and, you know, give some rest to yourself if you can. Great. Uh, the other thing I just want to say, particularly if it's, if it's your first time listening, you've probably the snappy music that's in between each story is uh, Richard Jones Jr. who oh, does yeah. the audio for us. That's his music. So if you're looking for anyone to create some music for you, he does audio for us and we highly recommend him. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this because it's your friend's stories on here, all of our stories are great. So consider subscribing to our podcast. And sharing it as much as possible, too. Don't forget about that. Yep. All right. Well, nice seeing you, Tequila. And, nice uh, to see you, too. And we'll be back next week. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Bye.